Welcome, everyone, to the FLCCC Alliance Weekly Update. We have really good news for you tonight out of Africa, out of Zimbabwe, where the drug we've been telling you about is effective against the South African variant of COVID. And more on that in a little bit. I'm Betsy Ashton. I'm the creative director of the FLCCC Alliance. Uh, we're here once a week. And we're here to tell you what's happening with COVID treatment and what our doctors know works. We are here live for 30 to 45 minutes to give you the latest information and to answer your questions about COVID treatment and prevention. An important disclaimer first, as, this, uh, this, as we discuss this information, please remember we're not your personal physician. We don't know what's going on inside your body. So, it's important that you take this information back to your own doctor to find out if this is going to be able to work for you and whatever else that you're taking. This is the information. We uh, know that it's good for lots of people, but it's important that you talk to your doctor for what goes on for yourself. Now, what can you expect? Well, you get a short welcome, what you just got from me. About five to seven minutes, we're going to give you the latest news updates of what we've been doing and what we know that's going on with COVID. Uh, and then for about 15 or maybe 20 minutes tonight, our Dr. Pierre Corey, who is a critical care physician expert, medical textbook author, author of many published scientific studies and president of the FLCCC is going to be with you. One other thing that's important for me to tell you is we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We're not making money off of any of this. We don't sell ivermectin or any or anything else that we're talking about here. Uh, we're not manufacturing it. We're not doing anything except educating the public on what our medical team has learned and understands and observes. We have no financial interest at all. And we just came together to try to help people uh, stay alive and beat this pandemic through the best treatments possible. So. If you see the donate button and you can give, thank you, thank you from all of us. Now, let's take a look at the news. First of all, the South African variant of the SARS-CoV-2 virus is getting licked by ivermectin, but I'm gonna let Dr. Corey give you all the details on that. Second, this week, a renowned Yale University professor and cancer researcher, Dr. Alessandro Santon, is now speaking out on the remarkable success that he has seen in his friends and patients who have taken ivermectin for COVID prevention and treatment. After poring over the literature on ivermectin, Dr. Santan has treated family and patients of all ages, including his 88-year-old father in Italy, who came down with a serious bout of COVID and um, with the same positive results for all. He told Mary Beth Piper of Trial Site News, it works. We must find a way to administer it on a large scale to a lot of people. Third, this we say, meanwhile, the European Union's top medical authority this week declared more data is necessary to declare ivermectin a treatment for COVID. They want it used only in clinical trials. But Fourth, our expert global panel on ivermectin featuring Dr. Corey, joined by top physicians and researchers from the UK, 
Belgium, Israel, and Argentina that was held for media last Thursday and recorded and premiered for the public on Friday, garnered 53,000 views in four days, which is amazing for an hour long science-based program. You know, this is not a rock concert. We were really happy about that. And it's still getting thousands of views all the time. And finally, we have really great news about Glenna Sue Dickinson, the lively 65-year-old woman from upstate New York who contracted a very bad case of COVID two days after Christmas. She was hospitalized in Rochester on January 12th and was deteriorating so fast, despite the usual hospital treatments, that her family was called in to say their goodbyes. On the evening of the very day that they had researched all about ivermectin and our treatments, the FLCCC, and had finally managed to get one of the hospital doctors to give their mother ivermectin. Now, their personal physician had prescribed it. They had to get it from Walgreens and send it to the hospital. The children arrived later that day. And when they arrived, their mother was awake from the coma she had been in for so long. They were stunned. Then the hospital refused to administer the follow-up doses and their mother relapsed. So the family went to court and they won a court order to force the hospital to give more ivermectin. When she got the drug, Sue Dickinson improved and she got into rehab. Well, yesterday, Sue Dickinson came home. No more COVID. And we are thrilled. It's just wonderful to see this take place. And God bless what her family did, the prayers of all of their friends, as well as the fight to have to get a cheap, effective treatment to their mother. We, I don't understand the kind of resistance that's going on to this. You know, this is, this is not snake oil we're talking about. This, is, this drug won the Nobel Prize. Anyway, so very, very good news for the Dickinsons. And now it is my very, very great pleasure to bring on Dr. Corey and his very special guest, whom I had the pleasure of interviewing a week ago. You're gonna like this doctor, and but I'm gonna let Dr. Corey have the pleasure of introducing her to all of you. Take it away. Hey, Betsy, thanks a lot. Uh, uh, Dr. Stone has not yet joined us, although she's invited. Uh, it's actually 1 a.m. in South <laughs> in Zimbabwe right now. And so, but she told me she's an insomniac and she said she'd be happy to join, but um, she hasn't joined us yet. Maybe she fell asleep and she's not the insomniac that she promised. But um, this, tonight, I really want to just talk about her because uh, Betsy, you did this wonderful hour long interview with her. And I have to tell you, I listened to every word and the things that came out of her mouth, her experiences, her rationale, how she approached patients, how she's advocating for patients and how she's treating this disease, I thought were just phenomenal. They, 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 they really spoke to me in, in, in how I approach patients. And I find her uh, to be really um, uh, a close colleague, even though we haven't met, she, she's exactly the kind of doctor that I appreciate and admire. And so, so let, let, let me just share with uh, the group, uh, the audience, 
what she has found out on the front lines of COVID in, in an under-resourced country, and she'll be the first one to tell you that. So this is Dr. Stone. Uh, these are some of the pictures that she shared with us. Uh, I like that, keep calm and make a plan of, in Zimbabwe. And, and, and she really is on the front lines, right? So, so Zimbabwe is overrun with the South African variant, which is much more virulent than prior variants. And so um, we spoke with her, Betsy, you interviewed her. I watched the interview. These are the things that I took from it. So number one, who is Dr. Stone? So she's a general practitioner. She's family medicine. She also has expertise in aviation medicine. She already uh, was challenged by SARS and she was trying to develop treatments for SARS, which she didn't get to try. But then in February, she found her first hypoxic COVID patient managed to get him better with a nebulizer solution in which she didn't talk about, but if she comes on, she can tell us about it. But, but around about August, she was overrun where she was, her clinic. She said her staff was exhausted. They were running out of oxygen and people were dying in the car park. And so she, she, she consulted with Dr. Martin Gill, who's a colleague of mine. I've spoken with him. He's a very prominent South African physician who has been a, a proponent of ivermectin in South Africa. And, and he and I have worked together on a number of expert panels. And, and they got together back in August. This is before me and the FLCCC, this is before we discovered that ivermectin was efficacious. And they decided, let's try a combination of stuff. And they used ivermectin. And after they began using it, the locals started calling it magic water. Dr. Stone called it a game changer. They give it to all patients, all family members. And they didn't lose a patient until Christmas Eve when they had a, very, a patient who were presented ill very late, no oxygen, and a patient died. But they had an approach, which is if they were inflamed, they gave steroids. If they were hypercoagulable, they gave blood thinners. If they were infected, they gave antibiotics. This is what I've been doing since March of last year, which is like you see the disease and you treat what you see. And, and they did the same thing. They found that it worked. And, and basically what they also found because, because uh, hold on, that's my dog. Those are your dogs in the background. Shut up, dogs. No. What, what they, they may do, set my dog off. She's yeah. over here. They don't have oxygen. They really only gave oxygen if the sats were under 80%. And that's actually physiologic. Humans actually tolerate oxygen saturations above 80% very well. And when they did that, they started their protocol. They were restricted with oxygen. Dr. Gill cleared a 22-bed hospital in six days. Dr. Stone didn't lose a patient between August 8th and Christmas Eve. They found that ivermectin in patients with mild, moderate to severe illness, they had more than 95% survival, similar to what FLCCC and Tesloria is saying. This is what was happening in Zimbabwe. So more recently, there's a huge spike in Zimbabwe, a lot of deaths. They were going up to 70 deaths a day in Zimbabwe. And there was a lot of controversy. So this is from Dr. Stone's own, own mouth. She said that it was legalized here on the 27th of January, much controversy about its use. She was actually taken in for questioning and detained at the Harare Central Prison on 19th of January for dispensing it. And the publicity surrounding this sparked many people to start using it then. This has been the result. Our death rate has dropped from 70 a day on 20th of January to about two a day on the 18th of February. And right now it's about zero a day. And the entire country is using it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, 
What happened is the Zimbabwe government actually approved the use of ivermectin and did a massive importation of ivermectin. And, and, and the, what we're understanding is that was sparked by the following, which is that six members of parliament in Zimbabwe fell ill with COVID. Of the six, three were treated by a doctor with ivermectin and they survived, the other three died. And after that occurrence, there was a sort of a, a propulsion to, to adopt ivermectin. And, and now in, in, in Zimbabwe, it's, 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 it's widely used and they're showing the results right here. Um, other quotes, and I'm just gonna, next two slides, I'm just gonna take quotes from that interview of yours, Betsy. It was awesome. You know, it was really cool. Like your interview with, ja with Jackie, she just sat back and she just started to talk and talk. She talked about her experiences, her thoughts, how she approaches things. And, and I got to tell you, I was riveted. I just listened to her every word. And when she said things, I was like, yeah, I, I was almost cheering watching this, this video of your interview with her. And I wish she, I wish she was here. Is she here yet? No, she's not. Um, she promised- uh, We've been having technical problems tonight. So I rather suspect- that Or she that fell asleep- Anyway, either that or she fell asleep, which she's allowed to do because she really is busy trying to take care of patients. But she said that she started prophylaxing patients on August 8th. She says that 61 to 95 percent of her cases are the South African variant, but they're doing well. She says, literally, since then, I can think of possibly eight patients out of hundreds that became unwell. And she's almost certainly that those eight were not taking it. Like in most countries, there are groups of clinicians and experts who have formed advocacy organizations like the FLCCCC in the Zimbabwe. It's called the Zimbabwe COVID Frontline Clinician Society. Notice the front line, right? It's, it's those of us who are on the front who are actually treating this disease. It's not theoretical. We're not just looking at data. We're actually looking at patients and figuring out what works. And, and what she said is that you know, in Zimbabwe, they have limited access to ICU. She's almost making fun of us in the U.S. Like, what are you guys doing? You have all these ICUs, you have all these medicines, you have all these uh, this technology, and you can't even get it right. And she she says in Zimbabwe, most hospitals they only take private patients to get into a hospital in Zimbabwe. You need fifty eight hundred cash. Most patients in America don't have fifty eight hundred in cash, and so so no one can get in there. So they're forced to manage patients in their homes. And you know what they discover? They find that even with low oxygen levels, if they give ivermectin, often at high doses, and that's the other thing she was saying, is that they hit hard and they hit early. And in, 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 in Zimbabwe, when they hit high doses and early, they're getting patients through, nobody is dying. And my favorite statement that she made in that video of yours, that interview, is she literally says, COVID has now become almost fun. It used to be the most depressing thing in the world because everyone dies, but now everything has calmed down. They've gone from 70 deaths a day to zero deaths a day. Ivermectin was legalized on January 27th. By February 26th, zero deaths on a four-day rolling average. Another quote, enormous amount of controversy two days before January 26th. It was all over social media, but then everybody was taking it. Then we saw a precipitous drop. Now we are quite bored at the moment. Now what do we do? She's been so challenged over the last months, keeping people alive, overwhelmed with people, hypoxic, needing oxygen, dying in front of her. And now she's like, 
yeah, this is like no big thing. We 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 got this. And so uh, uh and, and and here's he, let, let me just be geeky. I know we have a lot of non-physicians and non-physiologists, but but never mind. Let me get geeky because this is what I do. But one of the really fascinating things about the mechanism of action of COVID in ivermectin is that there's this thing called silent hypoxemia. For some reason, the oxygen levels of patients with COVID are so low. And one of the theories is that as the blood courses through the lungs, there's what's called hemagglutination, which is that the blood cells clump and so they don't absorb oxygen because they're in these clumps. And so the oxygen can't attach to the blood cells. And so you have these very, very low levels. And one of the purported theoretical mechanisms of action of ivermectin is that it actually stops the clumping. And what Jackie Stone has observed, and it's so cool, is that they see these low oxygen levels. So this is, an, this is a patient monitor, that's a blood pressure, that's a heart rate. Down here is the oxygen level. This patient, 70% saturation. That's quite low, folks. This person, heart rate 126, 31% saturation. Very, very low. So the oxygen is just not attached to the blood cells. What she has done is she has given ivermectin. And what happens is the circulation improves. So when you don't have good circulation, you have poor blood flow, your measures of like the amount of the pulsations are very poor. So if you look on the left side of the screen, when you look at what's, this is called the plethysmograph, but he, here on the left, you see actually very poor circulation. So you're not measuring the pulsations and it's, it's, it, you're not able to measure the oxygen as well. After ivermectin, a couple hours later, you see these bounding, really clear pulsations. And so um, you, you see that the circulation is improved after ivermectin. And Dr. Stone has seen this. Her nurse has seen this. And I love this. If you look at the top, the best nurse we have has said since last July, doc, when the pulse comes right, they're going to get better and we can send them home. Even if they're going home on oxygen, they're out of the woods. And which is to say that when they see the circulation prove this, apparently the theoretical is that the hemagglutination resolves and the red blood cells don't clump. <coughs> they're able to carry more oxygen. The, the, the blood flow is able to be uh, restored. The patients get better. And I just think this is, as a guy, as an ICU doctor, I live looking at monitors. That's all I do for, uh, I do things to patients. I try to get the numbers on the screen looking better. I try to get their blood pressure better, the heart rate better, the oxygen relation better. For me, this is like music to my ears. So if for those of you who are not doctors or physiologists, um, maybe you're bored by this, but to me, this is like, yes. So uh, excuse me for getting uh, too much doctorly. So some more wisdom from Jackie Stone. She also says, yet a lot of doctors are violently opposed to it. No evidence that it works, insisting on massive double-blind trials. Ivermectin has divided the medical community here. I know of no one who has left the Ivermectin works camp to the it doesn't work camp. I am soon to go to a disciplinary hearing for using unregistered ivermectin, but I am hopeful with the recent data that I will be okay. Um, she also says that when a clinician sees something working, I don't know when clinical experience became libeled as biased. 
best possible treatment for the patient is a combination of the best available evidence and clinical experience expertise of the team. If you have level one evidence in trials of 20,000 patients, great. But when does that happen? When someone is sick, should I send them to the critics in the ivory tower who have never seen a COVID patient because they are so terrified of them? And then the third principle is patient preference. So when you can uh, combine best available evidence, clinical expertise of the team, and patient preference, when you combine the three, at that moment, you have the best possible outcome every time. I got to tell you, when I was listening or talking to this, I was like, yes, yes, this is what I've been saying for months and years. This is what I teach. And then she even went further. Does anyone want to follow what the Americans are doing? This is where I'm just laughing. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I mean, no. Does oh. anyone want to follow what the Americans are doing? They don't seem to have got it right. We are sitting with a less than 5% mortality in hypoxic patients. And they are seeing a 20% mortality in the moderate. I think we will stick to what we are doing because it is working. Another difference, you have ICUs, you have severe. we don't, and we're still kicking butt. If we want our patient to survive, we open the pantry and see what's there. And we've got ivermectin and pots of it. The worst outcome is less parasites. <laughs> How do you give the 46 year old her life back? How do you give her children? And so I, I just, this is the last, I'm gonna stop here, but this is the evidence. I, I don't know that uh, uh, Dr. Stone um, joined us. I know she's watching. Uh, we have channeled her spirit, her wisdom, her experience as much as I can. I, I told her, I was like, listen, I just want to give like the best of what you gave in that interview and that I want to have you add to it. Uh, she was not able to join us tonight, but um, but she, she's fighting on the front lines and I just find her brilliant. I find her to be uh, as much uh, an example of the spirit of the Alliance as, as anyone else I've met. And, and I just so appreciate uh, what she's shared with us, especially her experience with the variant. That South African variant, she's, she's telling us that ivermectin is slaying it. And so uh, anyone who has given this drug and seen it work knows that it doesn't need any more evidence. Uh, I, I'm done here. So uh, the last thing, I have one last slide. This is, uh, I'm changing gears here, guys. This was from a doctor who wrote to me today it, it just, I got to tell you, I have so many depressive days in fighting this fight of ivermectin because there's so many forces against us and, and it's all nonsense. Uh, we know this helps patients, but here's a doctor wrote to me and he just told me, he said, listen, you guys have helped me treat my patients. I've been treating a lot of long haulers. And what he said was he has not only did the wide array of COVID-19 symptoms rapidly subside, but other non-COVID related health conditions began to clear up. First was the brain fog, but with it, old ADD symptoms for years improved dramatically in three to five days. Psoriasis lesions began to fade immediately. I have pictures. Terrible itching subsided. One individual with persistent post Lyme syndrome symptoms noted significant improvement in some of these difficult to treat symptoms. In view of the cognitive benefits, I offered treatment with ivermectin to three Alzheimer's patients, one of which showed remarkable 50% or greater improvements in multiple daily functions. Uh, I, 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 I'm speechless. And then he says, I've wow. 12 to 15 long haulers without any failures and rapid responses. This needs to be immediately studied. 
I believe at higher doses than your original eye mask intermittent doses and possibly higher than the 12 to 18 milligram daily doses. I've seen zero adverse effects. And I just love that you and the FLCC group are to be commended on your persistent battle to get ivermectin resistance. The world is slowly catching up. I, I, I just got to say, like, uh, I mean, we're getting attacked everywhere. Uh, governments keep saying it doesn't work. Merck comes out saying, you know, don't look here. Um, I, I'm being dismissed as a fringe radical. It's nonsense, man. I, I know what I'm doing. I've been a doctor for, for a couple of decades and uh, I, I, I'm not listening to anyone tell me I'm crazy. And so when I get these kind of emails, it just, uh, it restores me and, and it reminds me that uh, I, I want to listen to doctors, uh, not corporations and not public health care agencies. I want to listen to those on the front lines who are treating patients, people like Jackie Stone and this doctor wrote to me today. And so with that, I'm going to stop. Thank you. Well, and oh, can I finish? This yeah. is my last slide. Okay. And, and then, okay. then as, as like a cherry on top, Betsy, Okay. My closest friends. She's like, actually, I, I, I'm, uh, I actually run another nonprofit on another healthcare issue. That's what I do with most of my time. Um, and she's the founder of this organization. She wrote to me this morning. She goes, she writes, so a friend of mine messaged me because she's had long haul COVID for like a year and took ivermectin and it was like a miracle. And I was like, this is how I woke up this morning. I was like, of course she did. So anyway, uh, I, I'm done. I just, Give me some questions, Betsy, and we'll we'll. We end. have we have interviewed a number of long haulers who got over it. I mean, well, you saw Laurie Bell Hughes, right? How at the many beginning. times do we have to say it? You need a trial, Betsy. You need three thousand patients in a prospective double-blind randomized controlled trial. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. It's bias. That's right. Yeah, right. Tell me all about it. And of course, the only people that will do the big expensive trials are the big pharma people who have all the big money to gain. The only problem with this drug is nobody is going to make a fortune off of it. That's the problem. They're not going to make a fortune because it's off patent. Well, hello. Oh, wait, wait, <laughs> Betsy, hold on. Now that you what? talked about money, you reminded me something. <laughs> Uh, I said I was done, but I am not done. Oh. I have one more slide. You have a lot of the questions, slide, right? This is the slide that says, hey, Pierre, remember oh, yeah. to ask for support. My least favorite slide, but I'm going to do it. Folks, anyone who's here listening, guys, if, if you like us and what we're trying to do, None of us are making money. We have no conflicts. We're trying to do a, like the right thing here. We're trying to do a humanitarian mission, which is trying to disseminate a really important life-saving information about medicines. Uh, the, the other side that is against us is hugely deep pocketed. We actually have run out of money. We got really good support early on. And we did a lot of stuff. I think we've made a name for ourselves. I think people know our name now, uh, but the coffers have run dry. Help us, please. We need broader and deeper support. We're a humanitarian organization. Our only focus is patients. We don't give a crap about anything else. We're not trying to make any money. We just want to get the word out. And so just please recognize that. And, and listen, if you don't have the money, don't give us money. I don't want people, I don't want money from people who don't have it. But 
ask someone who does. I'm sure we all we all have a friend who's got more money than us and tell them to get off their asses and, and give us some money. You know, there's a lot of people with money who want to try to do the right thing and try to make a difference in, in, in altering this pandemic. I can't think of a more worthy cause uh, than the FLCCC. I, I got to tell you, we have so many people working. Half of us have now stopped taking any support uh, any salary support. Most of us are working for free. And I got to tell you, we work all the time. So uh, any help you can give, please do. I'm done, Betsy. I, I gave my my heartfelt appeal you for money, it. which is the last thing I want to do. You, you did it with a little emphasis from language your mother probably wouldn't approve of, but that's probably. okay. <laughs> We've got questions. We have people who have questions. Question number one is from Elizabeth Bolter. Are you still able to produce antibodies if you killed the host in the first one or two days with ivermectin? Would you still have antibodies? You know? Unclear. I will say that Dr. Carvalho, uh, our colleague in, in, in Argentina, was part of that world, that global uh, panel discussion we had last week. He believes that um, on chronic prophylaxis, you probably will be exposed and provide antibodies. It's all theoretical. I just don't have the data on that. Um, my sense is that ivermectin prevents illness. It's not, it, I don't think it prevents entry of the virus and the production of antibodies, but I got to tell you, that's theoretical. I, I wish I could give a more definitive answer. It's a good question, um, but uh, I, I'll give strong answers to the ones that I think we have strong data to support. If I don't, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. Question two is from Marjorie St. Clair Lynch. In what state is Brazil using ivermectin? It seems to be crashing and burning right now. Is the government not permitting its use? Oh, are you kidding me? That's really the question because that's a depressing one. You know, I try to stay positive. So the answer to that is what is going on in Brazil? Yeah. Okay, watch this. I'm going to share my screen again. So Steve sent this to me in test story today. He said that the subject is Brazil and IVM the latest. And apparently this yeah. is from a guy in Brazil and he wrote to Steve update yesterday a massive and obviously coordinated campaign was unleashed by the media and medical associations against the use of ivermectin this is in brazil there is even talk of prosecuting doctors who prescribe it seems to a rational pushback against ivermectin because bolsonaro promoted by the way bolsonaro whatever your feelings are on him and <laughs> i certainly have mixed ones uh he actually likes ivermectin uh but remember broken clocks are right twice a day uh and this guy's writing it's mass insanity my parents now seem to be persuaded that ivermectin is dangerous you can't imagine how furious i am the politicization of treatment is killing people so, so the question, Betsy, was what's going on in Brazil? Politics. Bad it's politics. The same, it's different flavors of insanity of what's going on in the U.S. I, I don't really know. Crazy. Let's go to uh, Maya Casal, who has a question. What are your views 
children wearing masks in school for a long for long periods of time can this <laughs> cause any negative health implications uh and the reason why i'm laughing is so the question is what are my views on children wearing masks inside and what are the negative health implications um cool. yeah uh, I really wish I could take a pass, um, and I probably will. Um, uh, what I would say is the following. Go to the flccc.net website. I wrote a long sort of essay review of the science behind mask wearing, when it's indicated and when it's not. Um, and I'm going to stick to what I wrote. Uh, it's very well resourced. It's, it's, uh, it's one of the earliest rabbit holes I fell into in COVID, even before ivermectin. I became obsessed with the idea that this was an airborne transmitted disease. And I became obsessed with the utility of masks. And uh, if you go to our website and you look at the, the review I did on, on, on basically, I think the, the title is uh, masks, uh, when to wear them and when not to wear them. Um, I, I would just refer to that and then you'll get my sense of, of my answer to the question. We have a question from another Betsy from Betsy Ames. Could you please explain how ivermectin actually prohibits the transmission of COVID-19? Is this different from how the vaccines reduce transmission? I think this is a good question to raise right now, particularly with, you know, people wondering you've got a variant and we know that the variants are problematic for some of the vaccines. So this gets into that. So um, if you look at our paper, which will be published in a couple of weeks, I actually go into the mechanisms of action of ivermectin. Um, the probably, there's multiple mechanism, mechanisms of action. The, the most profound and the one that acts most like the vaccines is that it appears that ivermectin binds tightly to the spike protein. And if you guys know anything about the, the, the physiology of this virus is that the spike protein attaches to the ACE2 receptor and enters the cell. When ivermectin attaches to the spike protein, it appears that it prevents attachment and entry. So it basically blocks entry of the virus into cells. And that's why we think, and the same thing as the antibodies. If you have antibodies from the vaccines, it would attach to the spike protein and prevent its entry. So it's very, very similar. It's sort of the same mechanism of action, binding to the spike protein. Okay, and then, the, but the, the vaccines, are different. The vaccines require the body to create something. Well, 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 but the vaccines produce antibodies, which do the same thing, right? So oh. they, 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 the antibodies attach to the spike protein and then prevent entry. And so that's how vaccines prevent illness. It's very similar to how ivermectin prevents illness. It binds to the spike protein. But the challenge is that ivermectin has multiple mechanisms of action beyond the spike protein attachment. Whereas vaccines are kind of one trick ponies. If the uh, parts of the spike protein on which the vaccines bind are mutated or change, the worry is that the antibodies won't work. Um, and, and that's not the same case with ivermectin. It has other, other mechanisms. Uh, I would just invite those folks to read my paper. Okay. 
Mike, uh, Michael Skirkak has a question. Uh, what do you think of the European Medical Association statement on the ivermectin question? There you go. Really? Really? <laughs> that, that's what he wants to ask? You know, I was behaved. Yeah. I was behaved. I was, I was. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, uh, here's what I say about the European Medical Association. I mean, they did nothing different than any other major Western medical body. There's nothing new there. NIH, in fact, they went worse than the NIH, right? Because they still stuck to don't use outside of clinical trials. At least the NIH, we got them to move to, there's neither sufficient evidence for or against. But all of the Western bodies have made a decision that they're not going to recommend ivermectin until they're provided with a gift wrap, multi-thousand patient sponsored academic medical center or pharmaceutically conducted randomized control trial. Okay, so the, what Europeans did is nothing new. It's just another day in the life. The Canadians, the Belgians, the Americans, every single Western country has said the same thing. I, I, I have no comment on the Europeans. Our, our um, rebuttal to the NIH's last recommendation where we take apart each and every one of their uh, concerns about the evidence body of ivermectin still applies. Um, we're going to publish that in a couple of days. Uh, it, it, it's just the same thing. I've been doing this for two months. The, the, I got to tell you also what the Europeans did. If you look at the language of what's in their document, it's it's almost a copy and paste, guys. You guys know what copy? Does anyone know what copy and paste is? Right? Anyone been to college? Although when I went to college, we didn't have copy and paste. We had typewriters. But 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 literally, if you look at the European document, it's a copy and paste of almost every other major Western government's opinion. Trials are too small. Da, 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 da. They, they, they just keep talking about the, the weaknesses of the evidence, but not what the evidence has found. The evidence repeatedly shows massive reductions in mortality, time to clinical recovery, and time to viral clearance. They don't talk about that. They only talk about the weaknesses of the evidence. It's sad. I'm told that that's got to be the last question for tonight. We are run out of time. But we thank you, Dr. Corey. I hate to end on that particular one. <laughs> We hope, we hope the World Health Organization will at least go further and read the latest evidence and pay attention to everything. There's still hope they've got to deal with the world. They've got Zimbabwe. They've got people out there who are using this and recognizing how, how good it works in countries that don't even have a lot of ICUs to toss people into and charge them $3,000 a dose for remdesivir when it's too late for it to work, right? By the time they have respiratory problems. So the last thing I'm gonna say, and I hate doing this, I hate doing this, but uh, I really gotta ask you guys for support. Um, if you saw the people working in the FLCCC, me and my colleagues like Betsy and Joyce and Sean and, and, and Steve and, we're really a, a, a small group who spend our our days devoted to trying to, to spread the message. And um, I, I can't tell you how much we need your support. I got to tell you, over the months, Betsy, the amount of 
beautiful emails and sentiments. Keep doing what you're doing. We, we believe in you. We support you. Um, I, I love all those sentiments, but I'm also going to ask you to go further and try to give us a little bit more uh, su support us. We need it. It, it will hugely uh, fuel us in doing what we're trying to do. Um, uh, our goal, everyone listening, our goal the next month is a complete and total focus on trying to get major media, mass media, and a widespread attention on the WHO as they review the current data to provide a recommendation on ivermectin that's sensible, at least a cautious recommendation for use. And I got to tell you, I'm doing everything I can over the next month. I'm devoting my entire life to this. If they come out with anything but a recommendation, I, I don't know what to say beyond that, but help us get to that goal. That's it. And I'm told to tell you that the donate button is on the center of the home page. If you go to flccc.net, it's up there. So while you do that, we'll be out there slogging away 24 seven, putting patients first. That's what we do. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching. We'll see you here next week and we'll try to get to even more questions. Thanks guys. <laughs>